everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. You can find us on uh, social media at Instagram and Facebook at Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs, and you can also find me personally on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at Justin Bizarro. So I have back with us today... Jake Jean from Tattered Beans, which we're actually going to talk about Tattered Lives Farms today, but I wanted to reintroduce you. Um, Jake, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm great, Justin. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'd lo- I loved our last episode. It was supposed to be a two-parter, but I couldn't. I had computer issues, and it ended up being a one whole long series. I think it was like an hour and 45 minutes or something. It was an epic, long episode. It was. So, pretty cool. So, it's been about a year and a half since we last talked, I think, and um, we've changed our format on the podcast a little bit. We now record release right away, so there's not the stress in me trying to keep track of a schedule. That's good. But um, in the meantime, I mean, what have you been up to? How's Tattered Beans doing? And sort of tell us about your new ventures and stuff that you have going on. So Tattered Beans, as you know, was was the concept of where we had uh, – veterans and first responders uh sign up make a profile and then sell coffee under their profile and then they uh made a profit off of that and i was you know happy to be able to say that we gave tens and tens of thousands of dollars back to veterans and first responders who um participated in that and then uh we know the um pandemic um you know covid came and Unfortunately, you know, we were one of the ones that, um, you know, scaled back. And so shipping became really hard. Uh, you know, so from some advice from other people, I would say that were smarter than us from the health field just said, you know, even with cleaning off the bags and, you know, stuff like that, you just don't want to take the chance. So we haven't opened, uh, too much back up in the, the sales and mostly because we're moving everything, all of our production and shipping um, to the new, new facility, which uh, you described as Tattered Lives Farm. So we're excited about that new project. And where's that located? So uh, it's 56 acres um, in Maple Hill, uh, North Carolina, which is about 15 minutes from Camp Lejeune and about 20 minutes from the coast, like Surf City, Topsoil Beach, uh, North Carolina. Awesome. And I mean, so tell me, obviously it shares the name with Tattered Beans. So why the sharing of the name and sort of what is the vision that you've built there? And how did you acquire this farm, I guess, would be my first question is where did this farm come from? So it was probably about six months into Tattered Beans. And, you know, when you talk to that many uh, veterans and first responders and you hear all their stories and, and the the traumatic situations that they have been in. And then you start asking like, well, how do you deal with this stuff? And a lot of them, unfortunately, you know, deal with it with opioids or, uh, you know, different scenarios. And what we've noticed is how many, you know, you service dogs and and how that helps. And so I've always wanted to be uh, a cowboy and been around, uh, you know, my, my wife's from Montana and been around farms and cattle ranches and things. So I just thought, you know, well, how can we incorporate saving some animals from high production farms to slaughter and how we can get them to a farm 
to work in a therapeutic format with people that have gone through some type of trauma and they don't have in in the the concept has grown from just first responders and military to you know all walks of life who have gone through trauma and so that's the exciting part because when we when anyone drives by a farm and they see the cow standing there they get a smile on their face or you're like you said, you're on TikTok and you're yeah. watching different videos and you see, you know, the goats and, you know, you laugh. Yeah. And so we know that they can bring an amazing therapeutic style of uh, rehabilitation to them. So there you go. Tattered Lives Farm was launched. And I mean, it's true, right? It's why there's therapy dogs. I mean, there's this thing that animals do to human beings that soften us, that there's a connection there, uh, almost uh, an unsaid, if you will, um, bond that happens. Because obviously you don't speak, but they feel your energy and your need and you feel theirs. And then at the crazy part is you build a mutual trust that's like nothing else. And, and animals do that. Um <clears throat> So I grew up on a horse farm, and on the horse farm was a group. They were called Circle of Hope. Actually, they're still on my parents' farm, on Pleasant View Farm in Maryland. And Circle of Hope, they did therapeutic riding, not only for vets and um, up at the uh, hospital there in Washington. I can't remember the name of it. It just went blank. But um, the military hospital up there right outside Washington, D.C., um, a lot of therapeutic riding and, and special needs and stuff. So I'm familiar with the business. I mean, um we had a working horse farm and that was one of the people that were there and used the facilities and had lessons and stuff. So I see the value in it, particularly for vets in just, um, post-traumatic stress, um, rehabilitation, stuff like that and how the animals help with that and, and start to give, make someone active and give purpose. So, exactly. I mean, let's really dive into this. I mean, how has this gone about? How do you manage it? Where do you find the animals from? I mean, how many people do you have on the farm? I mean, let's really dive in and, and where can they find you on social media, I guess, first. So um, they can find us at, you know, on Facebook. They can find us on Instagram. We're going to be making a TikTok and YouTube. Um, the great thing about Tattered Lies Farm is that it's literally brand new. Um, we're in the process of raising um, enough donations to get it built. And we are working with um, different high-production farms uh, in North Carolina, Virginia, and Tennessee um, that are holding animals um, so that we can then transfer them over to the farm when it's built and ready. Uh, We're in the process of getting the land transferred and starting to clear uh, the roads uh, back to the 56 acres, you know, here hopefully by mid-September. Uh, we're looking for a completion date of uh, sometime in December. Uh, in North Carolina, we can, you know, build easier comparative to other parts of the country. But the great thing is, is that each week we're going to bring three families into the farm. Uh, we will have uh, three areas uh, within the farm for each family to stay. Uh, each family will have gone through some sort of the same type of trauma. And then um, we will do have different games and 
family building activities, um, not only with the animals, but within the cells and just the, the ability for them to get away and be on a farm and see how farm works and, and, uh, get to play with the animals and work with them. Because, I mean, if you think about it, now you, you grew up on a horse farm, so you were always around it. But how often did you just have a random person, you know, come up to be like, oh, hey, can I, you know, be around the horses? And mm-hmm. so, unfortunately, you know, you don't have that capability. But with Tattered Lives Farm, you know, we want the ability that, you know, for people that are in the area to just stop in. And maybe they just want to sit in the field and read a book and watch the animals and, and give um, people that, ability to just come in and decompress uh from their daily life and utilize the farm for that that's it's a really cool thing that you guys are doing so um you mentioned moving production is that in terms of tatter beans and you're moving it down there as well is that something that'll take place there correct so we've always been a co-packer for tatter beans so the the company that packages and roasts the beans uh, is still located in central Pennsylvania. And then what we'll be doing is shipping down to um, the farm and then shipping out from there uh, For the will be our idea. biggest goal yeah. when Tatter Beans gets, you know, comes back online. That's pretty cool. So, <clears throat> I mean, what's your expectation upon launching? I mean, you you mentioned doing roads and you have work to do. I mean, <clears throat> how did you so choose we, the location? I guess how why North Carolina? Why there? Uh, well, that's where I reside. Okay, so that was that was you know the the big thing. But um, as I said, my uh, day job is real estate development, and so we had my uh, my two partners and I, uh, Steve Fantetti and, and AJ Saverio. Um, had acquired 156 acres and I had approached them as partners and said, listen, you know, they knew I had tighter beans because Steve uh, is a partner in that. Um, and he's an attorney from Florida. And I had said, you know, cause he just loved the concept behind it. And uh, I said, I want to take, I want to do something special on 56 acres of this uh, land that we had acquired. And so we took a chunk off of it and we donated it um, to uh, the nonprofit. That's awesome. And so, and then obviously you know what's going to happen to the other hundred acres around it, so you can make sure that um, Tatter Beans is a, a safe surrounding, I guess, as well. So that's kind of a cool exactly. concept. Exactly. Yep. So we control the other hundred acres, which will be maintained as a, a housing development. <laughs> It's awesome. Okay, so, um, you know, how do you, obviously you're in construction and, and you're building houses. Is, in, is it part of that you have this crew that can assist you in, in getting this farm up and running? I mean, does it have fence? Is it? I mean, what did you get? Was the farm existing in the buildings and stuff, or is this something you had to build from scratch? Or what work have you guys had to do to get this up and running? Justin, this thing is from scratch from a piece of paper, a concept, to actual raw land. I mean, the only thing that's there is sand, grass, and some trees. Wow. Um, so this is um, the good thing of being having the construction company and having everything in-house is, you know, we are able to design 
a farmhouse that can accommodate a family that will run the farm uh, daily, you know, so all their bedrooms and, and their house and all that, and then accommodate um, extra families that maybe want to come in or if we have celebrities that want to come in to, to do events, you know, they have places to stay. Uh, so all that is all brand new construction that we will, will use our, um, our construction company to build. And then the hardest thing, especially now is the fundraising part. Um, we obviously as, as partners are kicking in a lot of our own, uh, capital to get things started, but you know, we're looking at a first year operating budget of over a million dollars. Yeah. Crazy. So, yeah, so it's, it's the, you know, and that will utilize, you know, for roads to be put in and different outbuildings to be built and farm equipment to be purchased and the main house to be built and then uh, what supplies would be needed uh, to operate for two years and then marketing and all that. I don't, what I, I think what people don't understand is, you know, even though you're a nonprofit 501c3, at the end of the day, you're still a business. You have Absolutely. to market, you have to raise money. Yeah. You know, raise money. raising money is like, you know, trying to, you know, sell coffee in a cafe. Like yeah. You have to get customers in. You have to have uh, something that interests them. And so we'll be launching a couple things that other people have never thought of um, from a marketing standpoint. Uh, so that's going to be super exciting uh, that we'll announce here probably within the next couple of weeks. That will be an online format, uh, which will not only showcase animals, but, you know, the therapeutic side of things. And, you know, cause I don't want to, um, I don't want to be that fundraiser that literally just shows nothing but horror and sadness. And, you know, yeah. we want to be able to showcase the happiness that comes out of what we're trying to do. There's, there's sadness on the one side that's bringing the families here but when they're leaving, we want them to realize that they were given X amount of time to just take a deep breath and let, you know, a smile be put on their face. Um, because animals, they don't understand the trauma. They've gone through their own trauma mm -hmm. uh, of, you know, living in a high production farm and, and things like that. But they don't know, understand the other trauma. So when they're when they're kicking a ball you know, to them and sitting there watching that and seeing the happiness that's going through that animal can then bring joy to the family themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it also shows that there's always hope on the other side, no matter where you are. And I think the second chance for the animal also demonstrates the second chance for anyone who's looking for one. Exactly. Um, it's pretty cool. Great analogy. Um, so, I mean, is it only going to be animal-based? I mean, do you guys have plans to do, you know, maybe some vegetable and farming? I mean, I mean, what's the, the, the long-term vision here um, in terms of this? Is this something you guys think may be replicable um, in other communities or other developments you guys do? I mean, I'm just curious um, because it seems like a good model and a way to ensure wholesomeness within your communities that you're creating in a weird kind of way. Um, so near near the actual uh, property itself, uh, we do plan to be able to do some agricultural uh, farming uh, on there. Maybe you know a ten fifteen acre plot that mm -hmm. they have the capability to to grow uh, some of their own produce, 
or uh, be more self-sufficient for the actual animals themselves, Absolutely. whether it's in uh, growing plants that can be thrown in the trough for the pigs or, you know, areas that, you know, can be uh, uh, cultivated for, you know, the cows. Uh, that's exactly what we're looking to do. Now, as far as duplicating it, we would love to, we've had a couple people reach out that have, have land in other states that love the concept. Um, so we will eventually uh, have multiple locations, but I have to show them a proof of concept first uh, at this location so that we can mimic it in other areas. Understandably, and that, and that makes complete sense. And I'm very interested to see how all of this plays out and how the plan comes together and what that plan looks like um, actually executed. So that's cool. I got to imagine there's probably you're dividing up fences and pastures and b building a barn and different locations, maybe little cabins for people to stay. And I'm not sure. Um, exactly. But, but it's um, it's pretty cool. And I just spent a lot of time in Yellowstone. So um, a couple of weeks ago with family, we RV'd it. They're at Yellowstone, cruiseamerica.com. Anyone can rent one. It's kind of, it was a great experience, kind of cool. But um, so I get the, you know, this feeling of the ranch that you were talking about and the farm and the, you know, the the free feeling of, of openness and then the animals to go along with it. It's a pretty cool concept. So there's just so much that, you, that can be done, um, you know, and, and a lot of farms obviously do things because they have to, uh, you know, have corn mazes or pumpkin patches to pick and things like that because they have to actually have money to operate the farm. It's a little different for us from a nonprofit because, you know, all those donations go right back into the nonprofit portion of things and utilize to keep us running much like a regular farm. But we'll do a lot like a regular farm does. The only difference is, is that ours is going to be open to the public. Ours is going to be, you know, um, obviously much more friendly to come and pet because, you know, we're not worried about milking the cows for production. Uh, we're not, you know, feeding growth hormone to animals because we need to make them as big as we possibly can to, you know, gross our, yeah. uh, to, you know, meet the bottom line. And, you know, so our thought process is, you know, having the animals live out the rest of their life is, you know, the best they can. The coolest part, Justin, that we're looking to really launch is everybody wants a little piece of land and they all, and people that we've talked to, you know, want to have their own little farm, you know, whether yeah. it's, you know, three to five acres and, and you're in the food industry and you might've heard, you know, sort of the same thing. And, yeah. and so we want to be able to take our animals and find them forever homes. So, um, you know, to send a, a cow, you know, up to Virginia, you know, for them to, you know, live with a new family and, and that's, that's their forever home. It's really cool concept. Cause then it's, I mean, but we are seeing this. I mean, let's, let's be real about what's going on during COVID and you were going to see a lot more people farming in their backyard or quote unquote, Absolutely. having gardens in their backyard. Um, we're going to see people spreading out a little bit more de-urbanizing. Um, so I like the concept for sure. And we're going to see a lot more people getting food at home or growing their own food or grocery store deliveries. I mean, we're, we're seeing a lot of changes here. I mean, our business is completely different now than what it looked like three months ago, let alone six months ago. 
you know, our core yeah. business is the same, but how we go about that business is just completely different now. And that's exactly what you're talking about here is here's families are what I'll call de-urbanizing and spreading out and more land. And I think it's a perfect opportunity to add that dynamic um, because there are a lot of people out there that aren't going to, they want the farm animals and aren't necessarily there to slaughter them, but I'll have a garden and, and grow their own fruits and vegetables and stuff, but want the farm animals also to have around. So I think it's cool, yep. you know. It gives them that, it gives them that, you know, feeling of joy. Uh, at least again, I can't speak for everyone, but for the families that we have talked to, um, even the farms that we are getting the animals from that are holding them for us, um, you know, even their own employees, you, uh, they have, and they don't get their cattle, uh, or horses from them. They, you know, got them from other places, but they, that's exactly what they thought of is just that little tiny home farm. You know, they have a couple chickens, they've got a rooster, um, they have, uh, a couple cows, you know, so it's, it's amazing to hear these stories to know that, our concept is alive and well and working. And so now we just have to get it to uh, the final leg to actually be able to produce the animals at the, our farm to be able to find them forever homes around the country. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, and, and one of the things to that point is, really smaller farms that have to be a little multicultural or you know they're cultural in terms of cows and pigs and chickens and yep it's just the way it is why it's just you know you need chickens for eggs you need the cows for the milk you need you know maybe even goats or sheep for other stuff once you really start figuring out the opportunities there sheep milk is good also as well as goat milk uh, yep. for various things but it's like once you start seeing that and, and you don't ever have to slaughter the animal or the little chickens and the eggs and, you know, it's a pretty cool concept, right? You can get pretty sustainable on your own with very little effort and teaching yourself how to grow fruits and vegetables properly and, and making sure you have the right soil. But you're right. It's a, it's a big opportunity there and an avenue by which to do the right thing. It, it really is. And, and you see in, in, some housing developments even now that have uh, the space to be able to do that, you know, they allow the families uh, in their covenants to have different smaller farm animals based on the amount of acreage that you have, you know, on your plot, which I think is absolutely cool because I'm a land developer. Um, that's a great concept to give the families to be able to do. Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing a lot of that in Colorado. Colorado, I mean, historically has allowed like two and a half to five acre little farm plots with, and then, you know, dictated the amount of animals you could put on there or multiple animals, I should say, in combination. But I agree with you. I think the trend is coming back and I think it's a really exciting thing. And it's kind of cool to see the bigger lot, little mini farms next to each other concept come back with the animals on it, um, you know, and people spread out a little bit. Um, it's what we do history-wise, you know, and we need to find hope and new news amongst COVID. But there is things out there. You know, that's the thing that I try to do on this book. This is hope, guys. Like, 
we're everyone's figuring out how to move forward. It doesn't mean we need to stop. It just means we need to do it differently. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So That's a good point. You know, it just looks different. It's just I always say, man. Um, I'm a, a you know true believer in God. Obviously, um, if anyone listens to the podcast, but. He, you know, it's usually he gives me what I want. It's just n- usually not in the way that I want it or, you know, it's the way that I need it. You know, so it's that thing, you know, and that's true with what's going on here is with COVID. It's just, it just looks different. And it may not be the way we want it, but it's the way we need it to grow and, and to yep. expand our businesses. And, you know, and hey. It, it, no matter which way we look at it, it's still survival of the fittest when it comes to this stuff and free economies, right? You know, who figures out how to survive this and gains the most opportunity from this is going to come out the other side the best, you know? So Exactly. It's even taught us, too, is, you know, we got a lot of places got complacent in certain things. And even with, like, fundraising, you know, the there's good and bad that's coming out of the COVID and yeah. taught us that, you know, we might not always be able to do in-person fundraising events, but we could still do other things uh, from a marketing standpoint that other people aren't doing to be able to help uh, the overall cause. And that's what we've really had to think outside the box instead of just having, you know, uh, a huge gathering for, you know, a particular maybe a, a country singer coming down to sing. Uh, you know, you have to think outside the box now even more. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so true. And, like, we do a lot of events and training events and stuff like that. And the way we're having to think about it and go back and redo it, um, even within the food service connections and some of our subsidiaries, we're just having to, you know, we're having to adjust the world. There's a lot of opportunity and stuff going online, I think, people have gotten very used to not having to deal with things in person. Um, you know, we're creating habits here every day of people getting more and more comfortable about not moving very much. Um, and so it's kind of interesting stuff going on there, but the same thing is where if you're not going to go to a farm or you're not going to travel all the more and you don't want to go to the grocery store, we're going to see these little farms pop up, you know, the trend, especially as generations go on. You know, this is one of those events that has a lasting impact on how we move as a society, right, um, into the future or as humanity. So it's pretty cool uh, to be yeah. a part of, but it's a little scary at the same time, obviously. So. so true. So true. So, I mean, what other ambitions do you have? I know you're the entrepreneur, and we've talked a lot about the real estate stuff and what's going on there. And, um, I mean... You know, are you thinking there may be like a tattered brand or a tattered produce that may come out of these farms one day as another opportunity to help raise money for these to sell stuff? I mean, how do you generate revenue, um, not just by getting donations, but through other avenues to support your business with the model that you have? So it's funny you say that because you're exactly right. We will have to come up with money generating avenues. And so we will have tattered beans uh, that will come back online once the, the farm opens up um, as well as, you know, much like yourself being in the food industry. Um, you know, I've made a thing or two of recipes that have uh, done pretty well in restaurants that I've used to own. And so we might rebottle 
stuff to sell maybe a, a spaghetti sauce or um, you know meatballs you know that can be shipped all over the country um, you know so we're gonna have to think besides events like you said what type of other type of merchandise will we be able to capitalize on to help fund uh, the farm itself well, um, and since you're in both of those things, if you ever get into sauces or meatballs or burgers or that's something you're in, I will uh, donate our R&D for you guys on our end to help you guys get it off the ground, even if you use us to produce it or not. So, well, thank you. <clears throat> we'll consider that's an opportunity great. there and work with your farm, and maybe there's an opportunity for us to look at how down the road we can actually help procure stuff and stuff like that as you guys grow i mean our volume's enormous but we look for local sustainable causes that do the right thing so um, well thank you that's that's greatly appreciated yeah as food service partners um i usually don't say anything about them online because i want it to be about you guys but i think it's the right thing to do and i can donate time and effort and uh skills and how to get things commercialized for sure to help out if there's something similar to tattered beans. Maybe it's tattered pasta sauces or something. I don't know, but yeah. I'll be willing to help in any way we could with donating our time and our expertise and ingredients and batches and stuff like that to help get it off the ground. So, well, thank you. Yeah. So appreciate that. Since that's but what we do. It's, it's yeah. been a, you know, incredible learning experience. And, and that's what I love at least from an entrepreneur is, is getting into things that I've completely never done before. Um, and doing all the research and having to teach yourself, um, how to make it work. Uh, from this instance, it's, you know, how to raise money, how does a farm operate? You know, how does the barns need to be laid out? How big do the stalls need to be? Yeah. What type of troughs are there? What, you know, uh, the cleanup for the cows, what type of, uh, sanitation needs to be done? What equipment, and so once you really sit down and, and do all that research, that's the exciting part is when you get done and you stand back and you're just like, I took something from zero yeah, and built it with not a clue. And I think that's the problem with so many young entrepreneurs, the ones that I talk to or mentor, is that they just are so scared and they want to try to get into something that they, they have knowledge about but maybe that market is already saturated. And I'm like, so what, you're just going to sell another t-shirt online? You know, like, come on, like, come on, you got to think outside the box, like do something that other people aren't doing or take something and make it better. Like think, yeah. like you, like just do some research, think about the product, think about what goes into what that person is doing and how you can make it better and run with it. And, that's why they call most entrepreneurs one percenters because, you know, it's one percent of people that have that mindset to just be able to just say, screw it, I'm going to do it. Because the other yeah. people just are so scared. They're just, they don't want to fail. They're afraid of what people are going to think of them. I mean, yeah. you know, your, your biggest and most successful ones, they could care less. Yeah. Well, the interesting part about it, too, is that the ones that, you know, and, and with the other part that's the differentiator is that you're, as an as a true entrepreneur, you're constantly chasing a moving target, knowing that you'll never hit it. Yeah. You know, it's really what it is. And you make money along the way, but your business, you got to keep growing. I mean, we've seen it. I mean, think about Apple. If you want to, 
anyone's in the audience that's wanted me to take it to an extreme, they have to, re they literally release a phone like every two years or some ridiculous, maybe it's every year, you know, just to try to stay ahead of competition. That's technology. That's not the same thing we're talking about food and farms and other things, but you still have to be pivoting. You know, we took a very huge pivot as a company, like I said, six months ago in terms of what we saw the trends coming in home delivery food. You know, like seriously, people are not going out with the grocery stores and people want meals at home and they still want the same convenience of a restaurant or ease of a restaurant, but they don't want to go out to do it. So, and if they don't want it to go all the time, they're trying to get the, the thing at home and spend more time with their family. It's particularly in the United yep. States, but, you know, our values have readjusted a little bit, um, you know, and as a society, morally and ethically, I think we're we're starting to care a little bit more, which I think is a good thing, um, but care a little more about doing the right thing, not um, trying to convince everyone we care by doing the wrong thing, uh, because we believe it's right. I think people are adjusting slowly, but we've all got to stand up and have a voice, right? I think that's what we're also talking about, but empowering people also means healing people, which is what you're doing on the farm, you know? And that's leadership, too. I I'm, I don't know if you agree with this, Jake, but I think a lot of leadership is really connecting on those deep levels um, and finding that similarity. I mean, I know you're a veteran, so you probably know this better than I do. Um, but it's amazing what can happen when you go through hardship together. And that's what we're going through right now, guys, is how do we all come together and do something yep. awesome right now? And I have the yep. same thing with kids. I'm like, and young entrepreneurs, I'm like, seriously, when we stopped encouraging kids to go outside and build tree houses because we were afraid they were going to break an arm or we didn't want them on the trampoline because they were going to hurt themselves, we did a, dis we did a disservice. Seriously, yep. on a creative level, we did a disservice. Um, yep. So, and I understand everyone's like, well, look at them. They're on their phones and, and that's, Yes, that's one form of creativity, but it's not solving, knowing how to solve a problem over like a long-term period of time. And it's very instant, very instant problems. Okay, I've solved a problem, very gratifying, but not understanding the gratification of a long-term plan or a long-term goal or, a, you know, it's very interesting. Um but it's because we didn't, you know, it's like a video game. You play it, you win, it's over. You know, if I'm building a tree for it, I got to build that thing for months, man, because I don't know what the hell I'm doing as a kid, you know? So well, exactly. that's the and difference that I'm talking time, about. And, and, you know, doing those type of projects gives you time with someone else special, whether yeah. it's your friends, whether yeah. it's your dad, your mom, maybe a brother and sister, yeah. maybe it's your cousins. It just gives you time together accomplishing something and comparative to, you know, sure, get, don't get me wrong. I sit on, you know, TikTok and laugh at videos and all that too, just like anyone else. But, you know, I would much rather be outside doing something like that with, you know, my grandson or, or son-in-law or daughters or wife or something like that. I mean, there's always... You can always find cool things to do other than being online. And, you know, you brought something up. What scares me is that we did have to adapt to delivery online 
um, not eating in restaurants, ordering it out and stuff. And I sit there and think, and this is more of the cynical side of me, is how bad is that? Yep. Because it, to me, it just keeps us inside even more. Uh, yep. You're not even going to the store anymore. You're just going online and purchasing it, which then means the store has the capability of laying off some people that they wouldn't need because now it's, you know, or maybe it shifts to having more delivery people. And, you know, so I understand times change and, and technology yeah. helps with those things. But it also shows that uh, how lazy as a society we are. Yes. And I think one of the things we don't realize is we did something so abruptly um, and so quickly we basically silently dropped a pebble in the middle of a glass lake and we've caused this ripple effect that is maybe over the long term going to ripple effect and cause more lives than economically through starvation and missed opportunity and bad stuff that we're going to create by destroying economy. So we've just got to be careful. You know, that's my thing. I just am like, I'm cynical as well. I'm just like, what is the real goal here? And how long is the impact going to be in what I would yep. call, you know, we're not going out. We're, we're not being creative. We're not being adventurous. We're not pushing our businesses. We're, we're, we're hibernating. We're standing still. And guess what? If you stand still, you actually go backwards, guys, exactly. in the world. And yep. um, that's if anyone studies any history, we know that when things like this happen, a plague, a bubonic plague, the world slips into a dark age, possibly for centuries. Now, hopefully with technology, we don't have to do that stuff, but we've got to face realistically, historically, what has happened in history repeating itself. You know, there's a reason it's called the Renaissance Enlightenment because society finally got out of this standing still. And you can argue different governments and all that all day long. I agree with you, but it has to do with the way humanity reacts to extreme things and in war for example it's an extreme thing but it's a very clear beginning and ending you know uh with covid we don't know when it's going to end or how it started or or what the territory is or what we're really fighting over or how we really control it or even if we're doing the right thing you know we don't know yep. who's winning or who's losing there's no way to measure it and so but there is something we are measuring, and that's the damage we're doing to ourselves and each other and stuff by not, you know, we've got to move. I don't care whether it's just exercising. I don't care whether it's doing what you're doing or we figure out better ways to get masks, but we've got to figure out ways to move forward, guys, as a society, I think. I think this COVID thing's around a long time to stay. I don't think there's going to be a magical election in the United States and everything is going to magically get better. There's, if there's no magic pill now, there's not going to be a magic pill three months from now. Like it's just not going to be there. And if it does happen, I will be extremely skeptical. However that happened. So, um, and the timing of it, but, um, yeah, that's, that's definitely a scary part because they're, you know, Unfortunately, with us just being peons, we don't have the ability to have a crystal ball to see, you know, what the governments around the world have uh, settled in for us. Um, you know, we just unfortunately just have to sort of go along with what we're told um, in a certain fashion. 
Um, not maybe completely, but, you know, we do have to, I'd like to think that the scientists have our best interest at heart and are telling the truth. Um, you know, cause I know my mother is, you know, 77, I believe. And I certainly wouldn't want, uh, her to get sick from COVID as well as, you know, I've had cancer previously and, um, I'd want to, you know, make sure that I'm being given the right information to make sure that I can collectively make a decision myself on what I would want to do um, in handling things for my own personal health. No, and I agree. My, my parents are older as well. And I, I think, you know, geez, I don't know. You know, I, I want to be safe. And so I'm not encouraging anyone not to be safe, but I am encouraging everyone. We really have to figure out how to keep creativity and move forward and move our business forward. You know, guys, now's the time to make the changes you've always want to change. Take a step back, change your menu, change your concept, change your business model. I don't know, something. So, yeah, I mean, do you, I mean, at least from your standpoint, I mean, do you see yourself as a new normal? Or do you see yourself going back to the way things were? I don't even, I've never felt, I never, I never go back. Like, I figured like this is just another one of those things where life changed and you just like, it's not like you're not the same person anymore, you know? Yep. Like you have a really good pet that passed away or a really good friend that passed away, uh, you know, prematurely, like those things in your life it's an abrupt change and you're never the same but they happen there's nothing you can do about it and yep. the new norms are always for me an opportunity to explore who i am or see how i've changed and then find opportunity in it because i different interests come out of events like that you know so yeah you know covid and you know i've always been fairly health conscious i'm in the health food business but i mean it really gave me time to really dive into and understand you know, what, what food really comes from and, and what we need to be doing as a company to stay ahead of where food's going and what does it really mean to have a health food. And we've always talked about nutrition and the density that needs to happen and what happens, you know, with fruits and vegetables when they're picked and how they start depreciating nutritionally as well. But it's, um, it's just, you know, cool things that have come. And you know, I think all of it, if we really look at it as an opportunity to do something better or be better people or be better parts of the world through the skills that we have, through whatever our superpower is, for lack of a better term, mine just happens to be food. Uh, I wish it was soccer or like superpower, but it, food was what God gave me to work with. So, um, uh, but it's my superpower. So what can I do to better the world now that COVID-19 happens? How can I make sure people are healthier? How can I encourage them to eat healthier? How can I clean the food better? How can I make sure it's coming from better sources, better vaccines or whatever? You know, I just be a better yeah. steward of the world, you know, and a yeah. better steward of people and the farms and the communities that we're involved in. And, hey, like, it's not really that hard. It's just making a decision, and at first it may be like, oh, my gosh, it seems so big and so hard. It's probably hard. Um, may seem hard, but actually when you're doing it, it's kind of fun because it's something different, you know? Yeah. So um went on a tangent there, but 
I think there's a lot of new opportunities out there, and I agree with you. Don't sell another T-shirt. You know, find something that makes you different. Um, exactly. Exactly. Listen, the way the way my partners and I do our land deals, it, there's literally no one that is doing it like us. We know it. We've researched it. We tested the model out, um, and it's working beautifully for us. And so if you don't take the time to figure out how things operate as an entrepreneur and see how to better your product compared to what's already out there, what are you an entrepreneur for? Yeah. Like, well, you just want to use the word entrepreneur. And again, like I said, you know, you're going to, you know, what, make another T-shirt or, you know, sell, you know, try to be Instagram famous. You know, like you have to, um, you have to come up with a concept, an idea that is so different that it just turns an industry upside down and people are scared to take that shot and they question themselves halfway through a process. I'm, my partners and I are designing something right now that is literally going to just, like I just said, it's going to just completely turn an industry upside down. And I sit there and have to think, when I do this, I'm going to piss off 1.5 million people, like almost instantly, the minute it launches. I'm going to be the brunt of every mad individual that's in that particular industry. But then you start breaking down the percentages and say, if you really think about it, less than 10% will truly hate me because they just don't understand that we're making the industry better. And that once they understand it and come over, then they will get it. But we're still, you're never going to be liked by 100% of anybody. So you can't base your business model around that. And unfortunately, too many people try. It's unbelievable. Really. It, it, it really is. I mean, you just, you know, I talk to so many young entrepreneurs. And, and the thing is, is I'm not one of these entrepreneurs that, um, you know, are trying to, you know, pedal a book or, you know, Hey, do, you know, do a thirty nine ninety five class with yeah. me and I'm going to teach you all my, now I give all my ideas and concepts away for free. People say I'm stupid for it, but I make enough money doing other things that I don't need to take money from a small young entrepreneur yeah, exactly. to give them information like, bro, like be a good person. But I get it that other people are very successful within their trade, and then they're also a public speaker or they do these online courses. That's just not my style. It's just you know I I don't hate them for that. They're you know good people, but it just we just think different. Yeah, it's um, and I'm there with you. I'm I'm like, even if I gave it away, I don't think anyone would do it the way I do it anyway. So there's that. Um, I'm a very passionate person, so there's that whole other level of, I think sometimes people think I'm crazy, or that I'm just some wildly uncontrollable human being because my emotions, but I'm like, I'm very passionate about what I do. I was going to say, you're just, crazy crazy equals passion, so. Yeah, it's, um, but, you know, that's the thing, you know, or, you know, there's got to be a drive in there. And, you know, a lot of people that have come to me or wanted to work with me or wanted to partner with me, 
you know, you find out pretty quickly if you have that little drive or that thing. It's almost like a... I would say it's part stupid because it's like no matter how many times or how hard you get knocked down in life, you bounce right back up without even thinking about it. You know, okay, well, that didn't work. Let me try this. You know, so um, it's almost like a reflex. Like, I don't know any different. You know, so uh, it's a pretty cool experience. But, um, I mean, so... Why have you on the phone? I mean, how um, how do you see um, this growing with your partners? I mean, you talked about disrupting things. I mean, is that something you feel that is going to lead Tattered Lives Farms into the future also, is, is give you the ability to put that vision into place? The only reason I ask is because, ladies and gentlemen, it takes profitable <laughs> businesses and people to fund and create creative ways to um, do nonprofits as well similar to what Jake's doing so I think that that's important to connect that you actually have to have a real profitable business to support what you're trying to do in your community well absolutely you hit it right on the head I think you know from my standpoint you get to a certain level of life and when you can truly give back because financially you have made it then that's where we're at now with my partners and I. And again, you know, they signed on because they believe in the mission. Uh, and that's important um, to have, you know, ride or die partners like that because a lot don't. And so, you know, they're in things all by themselves and trying to navigate this. And with me, you know, I have two partners that just believe in the concept, believe in the mission and are there to help in any way that they can. And so that's important. And so a lot of people want to help, but they don't know where to start. And so much like this with Tattered Lives Farms, like I've never done a 501c3. So I, I had to go out and educate myself. And what young entrepreneurs don't understand is people, most people, love to talk about their business or give information or of knowledge that they have. So you just have to ask. And that's what I did. You know, I found other nonprofits that were similar that I wouldn't be competing against and just ask questions. And they filled my brain with tons of knowledge. And then it was going out and educating myself even more on the process. And then the last piece of the puzzle is the marketing side of it. So, I know how to market um, a for-profit business. And so everyone's just like, listen, a nonprofit is just sort of the same thought process. Like you have to market the same. Um, In some cases, you aren't necessarily selling a product, but you're just asking for a donation. And so it's just how you market yourself to get that donation comparative to them giving you, you know, a $10 donation instead of, you know, going to Starbucks that day. Yeah. And, and, um, so, I mean, with that, with that in mind, I mean, you've sort of just entered the market the same way then. I mean, I didn't know exactly what Tatter Lives Farm was, but I, I saw the way you market and it created my interest. Um, and obviously then I looked into it and then I'm like, we should do a podcast, but it's, um, 
but to your point, I think you're right. It's it's the same thing. It's just a matter of how the transaction actually looks accounting-wise, really. Everything else stays kind of the same, and you're asking for a donation instead of a purchase. So Exactly. And, and, and again, no different than a for-profit business. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to be able to resignate your product, or in this case, our nonprofit, to a particular person, whether they're going to eat at your restaurant, play golf at your golf course, or buy your t-shirt, you, your product has to resonate with them for them to spend their hard earned money. My nonprofit has to resonate with someone for them to open up their credit card to give me a donation. And so we have to hit them, uh, from every angle whether it's from the trauma standpoint, whether they like animals, whether it's the um, being able to come sit at the farm, you know, we have to bombard them from all different sides, no different than, you know, uh, a manufacturer of clothing has to be able to bombard them with, you know, how this shoe bends, how it, you know, the traction is, how it feels on your foot, all the different colors. You know, it's, it's the exact same concept. It's just instead of someone spending money for the shoe, they're, you know, giving me $10 as a donation when they come into the farm to go sit in the pasture, uh, you know, and read a book. Yeah, it's, uh, I love it. Love it. So well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Jake, for joining us today. And I, I appreciate you getting on. And I apologize about yesterday and not responding. So I'm glad we were able to get on oh, today. That's, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. So, um, um thank I appreciate you. you. Listen, I, Justin, I appreciate you having us on. You know, you can, uh, you can find us at tatteredlivesfarm.org. Um, any donations help. Uh, we have a GoFundMe page, uh, Tattered Lives Farm. Uh, you can donate there. Uh, you might, maybe you have products, uh, that, you, you know, that you could help. Maybe you have heavy equipment or want to come down and help when we start construction. So certainly, uh, tatterlivesfarm.org. Go to the contact page, contact us if you want to help in any way. Uh, we would love it. Awesome. That's a fun project. I'm interested. I can't wait to hear how it goes. We'll have to get you back on and, and once everything's up and running in a year and, and see how it all went and, God, I can't wait to hear the stories too. There's going to be some 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 interesting stories there, I'm sure, and lessons learned.